good messages here. Um, you know, one thing I didn't share in the last, or as I was talking earlier, is uh, if you haven't seen already that President Trump did call for a National Day of Prayer tomorrow. So how awesome is that? So um, that's just very appropriate that this prayer that's just on our hearts so much, it's what we need to do is be just in constant prayer. So we will be <coughs> committed to that tomorrow as well. And so, but if you guys will help me welcome Miss Shelby Honeycutt. Thank you, Shelby. Thank you. Hey, ladies, doing good this morning? Man, I feel like everybody's like so far down. I feel like I should go down there. Um, I'm very, very excited to be here this morning. I had a whole other message written out yesterday as I was studying, had everything kind of ready to go, and we got up about 3 o'clock this morning to go check our calves, and we have a bunch of heifers and stuff, so we wanted to make sure everything was going okay. And I came back in, and I told my husband, I need to sit down for a minute. I, I think I got just a whole other message I'm supposed to speak tomorrow that's completely different. So I'm very, very excited to share this with you. And no, it's I mean, definitely for you guys because it was not what I had written down yesterday. But we'll pray and then we'll get rolling. Father, we thank you so much for today. I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for just an amazing group of ladies that come together just to grow. Father, I pray that your word would not return void this morning. I thank you that Every word that goes forth, Father, that it would minister to each and every one of us, that we'd get a fresh revelation of you, and that we would leave differently than we came because of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. All righty, so we're going to get rolling. Um, I'm Shelby. If you don't know me, I'm uh, Pastor Cindy's daughter. We're from the Monta Vista campus, so that's where um, I come from. I kind of just this random person, so I just wanted to introduce myself. Um, I'm uh, married. We have a this very small ranch, not big like you guys. We have cows and horses, and uh, my husband's a pickup man for the PRCA. His family owns a rodeo company, so we do a lot of that. I'm a children's ministry director at the church in Monta Vista, so that's mostly what I do is just hang out with the little guys. So I'm, um, and then I help a lot with Conquer Connect, so I'm excited to be here. It's just a little bit about me, just to connect a little bit, but uh, the title of today's message is Building for the Unexpected. And um, where I'm going with this, I've been teaching a Bible study called uh, Puzzling Moments. And we've been talking about that everything we face in life is kind of like, and that's why I wear this little, this little puzzle piece, is that everything that we face in life is almost like a piece to the puzzle. And we know that when we build a puzzle, there's a whole picture, right? We can see the whole thing. But each little piece, if you took that puzzle and you took out pieces that you didn't think fit in that puzzle, you wouldn't have a complete picture in the end. And sometimes in life, our life is like this whole puzzle that's put together, that there's this big picture that God has. Because God can see the big picture even though we only see the little pieces. We live in the little pieces. And some of the pieces we don't like. It can be pieces that maybe happened to us that we had nothing to do with. It can be pieces that maybe we caused. But so many times we want to get rid of these pieces, but every one of those pieces build our picture in the end. Without those pieces, we'd have an incomplete puzzle. And so what I want to encourage us with as we're starting is that every piece of our puzzle matters. Every piece of our puzzle has a purpose. And God's going to use every single moment in our life to complete the picture. Whether we caused it, his grace is sufficient. Or it happened to us, his grace is sufficient. That we serve such a good God that he knows beginning from the end that he already knows our tomorrow. He's already been there. 
And it says that we can't even separate ourselves from the love of God, that he loves us so much that we serve such a good father. But every little piece, I would encourage everybody in here, the pieces of our puzzle where we're like, I'm so ashamed of that part of our life. I don't know why I'm facing this. I'm so embarrassed that I had to walk through that. We all have those, right? But none of those separate of us. None of those disqualify us because without each of those pieces we would have an incomplete picture. And so to, to celebrate those things, but, but give them to God. Let God use them for how he created them. And so we've been doing this Bible study um, called Puzzling Moments, but today we're going to go a little bit off of that, and we're going to be building for the unexpected. Unexpected moments are inevitable. We're going to face them. We have no clue what we're going to face when we leave here today. We don't know where we're going to face tomorrow. We have a general plan, but none of us know when that unexpected thing is going to hit us. None of us know when maybe finances fall apart. None of us know when we're going to face something in our family that we never thought we would face. None of us know when we're going to walk through those hard seasons in life that we never thought that we would have to walk through. There's no plan for those. Those things happen. They hit us out of nowhere, and sometimes they take our breath away. Sometimes they're really good things. Sometimes they're little moments that we're like, ah, didn't see that one coming today. A flat tire could be an unexpected moment. Or it could be a complete financial thing. It could be a complete something that is devastating with our kids. Maybe it's a loss. Maybe it's a, um, a loss of a spouse. Maybe it's, stuff could happen in life, and we get hit with unexpected moments. And so how do we build for these? Because we just said that we serve a God that knows beginning to end. We serve a God that knows more about us than we know about ourselves. We serve a God that created us, and he has a plan only for our good but we have to believe that. That's the kicker. We have to believe that he has a plan for my good, that I serve a faithful God. And so I want to look at a story today. I want to look at Genesis 6, 8 is where we're going to start. And I've never, that was, that was a little bit weak. We're going to go to Genesis 6, 8. I know I kind of kept talking through that. But um, I saw some cool stuff in this story that I've never seen before. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to read through the story. And then we're going to go back, and we're going to break down the story to see the, the full picture here. But uh, we're going to start in verse 8, and it says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God, and Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Um, verse 11, if you just got there, the Lord was, or the earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and out with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, its width 50 cubits, its height 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark, and you shall finish it to a cubit from above, and set the door of the ark on its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. Um, and behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under the heaven all flesh, in which the breath of life, everything is on the earth, shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall go into the ark, you and your wife and your sons, and your son's wives, and of every living thing of all flesh, shall bring two of every sort into the ark. To keep them alive with you, they shall be male and female. Of the birds after their kind, animals after their kind, and of every creeping thing of earth after its kind. 
two of every kind will come to keep them, or come to you, keep them alive. And you shall take for yourself all the food that is eaten, and you shall gather it for yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him. All right, so we're going to stop there, and we're going we're gonna to go back. I'll paraphrase the rest of the story, but we're going to go back and break this down a little bit. So my challenge when I'm, I'm teaching a Bible study, and I want to challenge you guys to do the same. So when we read the Word of God, sometimes we read it like a fairy tale. We read it, you know, I used to read The Pokey Little Puppy. It was a little book I liked when I was a kid. And you read the story, and it's a cute story. But sometimes we read our Bible that way where we just read these stories, and we're like, cool, so that guy made a boat. And we move on, right? Because it's just a story, and that's where we leave it. And then, you know, I mean, I teach in kids' class, and so we can't teach the in-depth meaning of the stories. So we're like, ah, she ate the apple. It was a bad apple. And then your kids never eat apples, and you wonder where they learned that. The Bible. It never even says it was an apple. We just tell them that to make the story cute. And then there was the donkey that talked, and then they shouted, and the walls came down. I mean, we hear these stories, right? But what I like to do and want to challenge us to do today is let's jump in the story. Let's put ourselves in the story because it makes a difference when we're actually in these stories to go, how did these people trust God? What would I have done? What are my emotions? Because then we feel how they feel and then we can really see how God's wanting us to see this story. Does that make sense? So let's be Noah in this story today. So first of all, the, the first thing I want to point out here, point number one, is that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It says that Noah found grace in verse 8, in the eyes of the Lord. And then if we read on right there into verse 9, my Bible keeps shutting, so give me a minute. Um, it says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That's verse 8. Verse 9, it says, this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God. Okay, so putting ourselves in this story, at this point in the story, Noah is 500 years old. Okay, that's crazy to me because it's rare that we see people live to 100. It's a rare thing. He is 500 at this point, okay? But this first point here that we have is that Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord, that God saw him. So if the whole earth, God's saying, is full, filled with violence, if the whole earth is, is filled with, with people that are not following what God had said, that are walking away from the Lord, but he picks Noah and says, Noah's just. Noah's perfect in his generation. Noah walked with God. If this is said about him, this is 500 years old, right? Noah had to have something a little bit different about him. So my question with this first point for us to write down as Noah is, does my life look just like the world? Does the atmosphere of my life look just like the world? Or is it set apart and look like what God could recognize? Who recognizes us easier? Who do we fit in with easier? In our lives, are we more fit with the world? Is the atmosphere of our life more fit with the world? Or is our life set apart and fit according to the word of God? Because God picked Noah out and said, his life is different. And remember, and Second uh, Samuel, it says that, that man looks at the outer appearance, but God looks at the heart. And that sometimes it's easy for us to put on this front that, yes, I'm walking with God. I'm at church on Sunday. I say the right things. I try to do the right things. But behind the scenes, we have no relationship with God at all. 
in front of the scenes, we put on this appearance, right? But it says that God looks at the heart. And so it wasn't that Noah's putting on a scene here. God could see Noah's heart and said, Noah's faithful. Noah's just. Noah walks with God. Here's the other thing. There were no Bibles when Noah was alive. Hey, we have the word of God. All, most of you have a Bible sitting in front of you, and if not, you have it on your phone. Like, we have a Bible in front of us. We have the Bible that we can read. Noah didn't have that. Noah didn't have church. Noah didn't have a pastor. Noah didn't have a cool men's meeting because he wouldn't come to our ladies' meeting. Noah didn't have a cool men's meeting that he could go to. Okay, here's how Noah, Noah had to walk with God, one, hearing the voice of God directly from him, or two, passed down from generations. This is how Noah heard the word of God. So this says something about Noah's family before him, that if Noah has walked justly and faithfully for 500 years, what his family had to put into him ahead of time. So now we have Noah. So 500 years, his, the atmosphere of his life was different than the atmosphere of the rest of the world at that time. And so your challenge question is, What's the atmosphere of your home look like? Does it fit into the word of God or does it fit into the world? Which one is it most like? Can we pick out and look at that heart condition and go, what's the condition of my heart? Am I more concerned about fitting in with what the, what's going on with the world? Or am I more concerned about fitting in with what God's word says? Because we see where Noah was more concerned. Let me just go over my notes, make sure I didn't miss anything right there. All right, number two. Let's look at verse 13 through 18. Point number two is that the unexpected is about to happen. Okay, so we're going to look at 13 through 18 here. And it says, And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Now let's skip down to 17. And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which the breath of life everything that is on the earth shall die the first line of verse 18 but I will establish my covenant with you and you shall go in the ark okay so something unexpected is about to happen something people have never seen before okay at this point in the bible rain was not a thing and so let's jump back in and be Noah you've never seen rain before You've never seen rain before, and now it's going to rain for 40 days. You've never seen a flood. And then God tells you to build an ark. An ark was no such thing. There had never been an ark before. There's never been a boat before. There's never been a need for a boat or an ark before. And so God tells you to build this thing that you've never seen before. Right? So this unexpected is taking place. So you're like, okay, rain's going to happen. Flood's going to happen. Okay, that takes some faith, right? And he goes forward, and if you read the instructions, and we're going to get to that in our next point, but in reading through the, the instructions that he gives him, he says to get two of every kind of animal. Okay, who in here has seen every kind of animal that exists on earth? <laughs> Nobody? Nobody's seen every animal. I know you guys see a lot. You guys have like kangaroos you bring to church. That is not a thing in Alamosa, <laughs> okay? But you guys have seen a lot more animals than I have because we don't have the creepy crawlies there. The, the section here where it says all the creepy things that creep, they got those from here, okay? They, they don't have those in Alamosa. But so he's looking. He had to get two of every kind of animal. That in itself seems like an impossibility, 
Even if we skipped the part of the rain and the boat and the flood, just getting all the animals together, impossible. My favorite line, and I've never seen it before probably because we're calving right now, God says they're going to come to you, keep them alive. Do you know how hard it is to keep calves alive? Okay, they die. They just die. And so I have animals. I have calves. I have horses. I have dogs. Turns out I've lost one of every species, at least. Okay, I failed Noah's challenge. But he said, keep them alive. That's a challenge in itself. This is an unexpected thing that's about to hit, right? These unexpected moments, these unexpected things in life, this is unexpected. Noah wasn't ready for this. So God's telling him all of this, but this is what was cool to me, is that Noah was like, it doesn't say that Noah argued. It doesn't say that Noah asked questions. It said, Noah did as God said. That's the only line it says. Noah did as God said. Okay, so the faith Noah had to have, and Noah's kind of a short little section in the Bible, and I'm kind of sad for him because he was really cool, but it says that, Noah did as God said. But if we put ourselves in this story, do we see the kind of faith that Noah had to have to be like, sure, God, for something that has never been done before, that has never even existed, the amount of faith, well, where does faith come from? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, right? So we know the relationship that Noah had to have with God to be able to believe what God was saying. All right, here's my other question with this unexpected. The Bible doesn't say this, so this is just my assumption. But here's what I believe about Noah. God told Noah that there was going to be a flood and all this stuff happened, right? But the other part of this unexpected thing that was happening is God told Noah to build an ark that would save him and his family from the flood, right? Did did he? We all read that, right? We all remember that part? So God said, this is going to happen, but you're going to build an ark, I'm going to give you instructions to build the ark, but you're going to build an ark and it's going to save you and your family. So could it be that Noah was more focused on the ark than he was the flood? Was he more focused on the ark than what he was the flood? He could have focused on the flood, right? He could have, but if he would have focused on the problem instead of the promise, then his reaction would have come out of fear. But because he focused on the promise instead of the problem, he reacted in faith and did what God said. Do we see the difference there? That it's so easy in these unexpected moments that we face in life that it would be so easy for us just to focus on the problem. But what happens when we focus on the problem? Well, Walmart runs out of toilet paper. But when we focus on the problem... Instead of the promise, then we start reacting out of fear. I'm totally not like, be safe, everybody. Wash your hands and put on hand sanitizer. I'm not dogging it, but it's a thing. This is ridiculous. But so when we, re- when we focus so much on the problem, we'll react out of fear. Fear is the opposite of faith. But when we focus on what God's word says, when we focus on his promise, then we react out of faith. Because faith comes by hearing the word of God. And so Noah, Noah focused on building that ark. He didn't ask questions. He said he did as God said. He didn't ask questions about the flood. He didn't go, why are you flooding the earth? What do we do? No. He focused on what the word said. Okay, so we're Noah, but now let's be us and go, okay, how does this apply to me? God didn't tell me to build no boat. Maybe we should. That's how we're going to survive this epidemic.
Every good, everybody go build an ark. But, <laughs> but God didn't tell us to build a boat, right? But sometimes when we're reading through the promises of God, we're like, I know what God wants my life to look like, but it seems impossible to me. I know what God's asking me to do, but it seems impossible to me. It seems a little difficult. It seems a little hard to believe beyond what I can see and believe beyond what I feel and believe beyond what my circumstance is telling me or the doctor's telling me or the newspaper's telling me or Facebook is telling me or my family has told me or beyond what I'm facing right now. It's difficult for me to see beyond that. But we have the same promise that Noah had. We have the promise of the word of God. We have access to hear God's voice here. We have access to hear God's voice here. You have access to hear the word of God on a podcast. You have access to hear the word of God at church. We have access to the word of God 24-7 that we can go in here. But here's where it becomes on us is that we can know what to do and not do it. Or we can do what God's saying to do. Noah said, I'm going to do it. Noah said, I heard what you said, and I'm going to do it. How many of us hear what God said and think about it? We hear what God said and think it's a good idea, but it's just a little bit impossible. I just don't know that I can beat this. I just don't know that I can get out of this situation. I just don't know that I can heal from this. I just don't know if I can forgive. I don't know that I can beat addiction. I don't know that I can beat depression. I don't know that I can beat anger. I don't know that I can beat you fill in the blank. God's word says we can, but it seems as impossible as building an ark, right? These things seem so impossible for us to beat, but Noah didn't look at the problem, he looked at the promise where he's going, no, that ark's going to be the thing that saves my family. That ark's going to be the thing that life moves on after this. Without that ark, it all ends. God's given us something that we can build on. God's given us something that we can build each as individuals that that's what's going to go on. That if we just focus on the problem, our life will stay in the problem forever. We'll never move forward. And so then let's look at uh, point number three. Is that Noah followed the instruction from the Lord. Noah followed the instruction from the Lord. Okay. We just said that faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God, right? So we hear the word of God, it builds our faith. Can doubt come by hearing too? Doubt can come by hearing? Okay, I'm going to give you guys a quote. I'm going to say it once. I'm going to repeat it probably multiple times so everybody can write it down. And then I'm going to say it again where you can hear it again, okay? All right. So what I hear determines what I say. What I say determines what I see. And what I see determines how I respond, okay? Now I'm going to say that real slow so everybody can write it down. What I hear determines what I say. What I say determines what I see. And what I see determines how I respond. Okay, raise your hand if you need that one more time. Man, you guys are on it. I had to repeat that four times in Bible study the other night. I'm going to go back and tell them. 
All right, so I'm going to say that one more time for everybody to hear it because I want to get that in our head as we're, as we're being Noah in this, in this story here. Okay, what I hear determines what I say. What I say determines what I see, and what I see determines what I, how I respond or, or what you respond or how you react, whatever you want to put that last line. It's the action part, okay? So faith comes by hearing, by hearing the word of God. So if Noah was hearing the word of God, we know that he had to speak faith out of his mouth, right? Because he saw what God asked him to see. He's like, okay, I can see that you want me to build a boat. I've never seen one before. But because I'm speaking what you're saying, now I can see it. And then he reacted in faith, right? He reacted in faith. Okay, can doubt come by hearing? Can depression come by hearing? Can anger come by hearing? Absolutely, it can come by hearing. And so if I'm hearing the problem, if I'm only hearing the negative, then I'm speaking, which means, all right, everybody say... I love conquer. Did you hear yourself say it? Okay. So you heard something, you spoke something, which means you heard it again, right? And the spoken word creates more images than the written word. And so now you have images in your head of what you're seeing, and then that's how you're going to respond. Crazy, right? So if I'm only hearing the problem, if I'm only speaking the problem, then I'm only seeing the problem, which means I'm only responding according to the problem. But if I'm hearing the promise, and I'm speaking the promise, then I'm seeing the promise, and I'm responding according to the, the promise. That's the difference in fighting from this position and fighting from this position, right? So we're going to fight from a place of defeat, or we're going to fight from a place of victory, and that is solely dependent on what we're hearing, what we're speaking, what we're seeing, and how we're reacting. Crazy. Crazy, crazy. So much good stuff here. All right. So there's a, in Proverbs, it said, there's a way that seems right to man, but its end is death. Here's the important thing I want us to put about Noah. In that 13 through 18, you can put that in your notes, verse 13 through 18, and make a little note. In 13 through 18, God gave specific instructions on how that ark were to be built. He said, I want a window here. I want a door here. I want it this long. I want it this high. This is how big I want the door. This is how many animals I want. I want stalls. I want three decks, not two. And he said what he wanted it made out of. He said he wanted pitch over the outside of it. Okay, Noah would not have known that. But here's the thing about Noah, is that God gave very specific instructions for that to be successful right? Okay, so you can put this in your notes. For every problem, there's a promise, but every promise comes with process. For every problem, there's a promise, but every promise comes with process. See, sometimes we expect God to be just our, our, our genie. Like, God, I wish for health. And we wanted to, yeah, that's exactly what we want to happen, right? And then we get mad at God, like, who do you think you are? right? 500 years Noah stayed faithful. 500 years that he decided to stay true and focus on the promises of God. And then this is the crazy part to me. Oh, that's point four. I can't give it to you yet. We'll get there in a minute. Got to stay where we're at. All right. But so crazy. There's a way that seems right to man. So there's very specific instructions that God gave Noah. Okay. So there's a problem. There's a promise, but there's a process to get to the promise. Okay, and in this process, Noah should have shortchanged. He could have shortchanged any of those instructions. It would have been a lot easier for him and required a lot less wood if there were two decks and not three. It probably would have been easier. How many of you guys are like, maybe you look on Pinterest, maybe you don't, but maybe you're going, hmm, I see this project. Like, this is going to go well for me. And you start, and you're like, so I know I wanted this whole wall to be in pallets. I really just want 
one palette now that I've started, right? Because once we start the project, we're like, ah, I don't even know. I remodeled a classroom the other day, and I'm doing this whole classroom, and I ordered a real garage door for the classroom. I can't put that up by myself, so I get my brother in there, and my brother comes in, and he's like, why did you get a real garage door? This is ridiculous. This is... Because I got a real garage door, and it was heavy, and it was hard to put up. And then I'm going, oh, man, did I mess up by getting, maybe I should have got the decal. It would already be done if I would have just got the decal, right? Because we start these projects, we see how big they are, and then we want to shortchange them. Or we just never finish them. It would have been a problem if Noah never finished the ark. That would have ended badly for him, right? I just decided God's probably not going to come through. Tell him God said. Don't take responsibility for those words. Just say, God's word says to finish what you start. All right. But so we have these, this, Noah would have been a problem if he didn't finish. But then here's the other thing that would have been a problem. If Noah would have put two decks instead of three. If Noah would have used not gopher wood, whatever, whatever wood was convenient for him. If Noah would have just cut short and maybe cut some corners and just didn't do everything that God said, but just most of what God said, that ark would have not held up, right? Why? Because God knew the level of unexpected coming Noah's way, and he knew what Noah would need in order to survive and thrive and get to the other side of the unexpected. In our lives, God knows the level of unexpected that's going to come our way. And he knows what we need in order to survive and thrive and get to the other side of those problems, on the other side of those unexpected moments, those unexpected things that we face in life. God knows what we need to get to the other side. But when we shortchange the word of God, when we shortchange what God asks us to do, when we shortchange when God says that we need to speak this way, that we need to think this way, that we need to apply ourselves this way, that we need to walk this way, that we need to talk this way, but we do some of what God says, but not all of what God says. I wonder if our boat would make it to the other side. If I believe some of what God says, but I think that I have a better way to make this work, I have a more convenient kind of wood to build this. I have a more convenient way that I'm going to make this work. I don't necessarily need all the animals, just some of the animals. That would have been a different ending to that story. So now that we're going to skip back from being Noah, we're going to skip back to being us. Where in our lives have we shortchanged? Where in our lives have we cut corners? Where in our lives have we maybe followed most of the word of God, some of the word of God, but not all of it? But we're trying to get to the other side, and we wonder why it's not working. Moses, or Noah, Moses, both of them, decided to be obedient to what God said. Here was the other thing, point number four is that Noah remained faithful. 100 years from the time God told him about the ark to the time that that ark started floating. 100 years. Again, it is rare that people live to be 100 years old. 100-year process to see the fulfillment of that promise. 100 years. Do we see the faithfulness of Noah here? Anybody in here 100 years old? How faithful have we been to the promises of God? <laughs> right? Yeah. So we see Noah. We see the kind of man he is. We see, but we see God's promise fulfilled in his life. And so this isn't just 
be good so God's nice to you. That's not the kind of God we serve. God's going, you got to build this ark so that you can survive this. you got to build this ark so you can get to the other side of this. I'm not putting this in your life for it to be rules. I'm not putting these things into your life for you not to have fun. I'm putting these things in your life because you're going to need them to get to the other side. And so it's not God that shortchanges us. We shortchange God when we don't follow what he tells us to do, when we don't remain faithful. God is always faithful. Faithfulness is not what God does. It's who he is. Goodness is not what God does. It's who he is. And so when we serve a faithful God, that is literally who he is. It says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He knows the beginning from the end, that he will never leave us or forsake us. We have a faithful God. The only unfaithful partner would be us. The only unstewarding with what God's given us would be us. The only one that could shortchange the promises of God in our life is us. It's not God. We have a good God. We serve a faithful God. He gave Noah everything that he needed. Was it hard? Yeah, I've never built a boat. Even a little boat. I fail at paper boats. Um, But the big boat, I've never tried. I know that that was hard. I know it was difficult. But God gave specific instructions, and it came to pass. But Noah had to remain faithful. So in that faithful part, your challenge of that is, are you doing your part? Are you doing your part, or are we shortchanging God? Is there a place that I haven't stayed faithful to God? And then maybe blame God because of it. You see how easy that would be to do? This is why it's so great to jump in these stories because if we just got up here and preached and we're like, follow the word of God, you're like, yeah, I know. (laughs) But when we see it in action, we go, wow, I need the word of God. God gave us this word for a reason. It says to meditate on this word day and night. It says not to turn to the right, not to turn to the left. See, it's not be about rules It's about God wanting to be God in your life, that God knows what's coming. God knows what we're going to face, and he wants more good for us. He wants us to make it to the other side and some. And so God has so much in store for us. And then in verse 18 there, the first line that we read, it says that I'm going to make a covenant with you. And we know at the very end of the story that the rainbow was the covenant and the promise never to to flood the earth again. But he said, I have a covenant, Noah, with you. I have a covenant with you, which means what God's telling him there is, hey, you guys know what a covenant is, right? Like your marriage covenant, like I'm with that person. God's saying, I'm with you. I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. I have covenant with you. We have the exact same covenant with God, not like Noah because Noah didn't have Jesus. See, when Jesus died, then we have that same covenant, but it's a blood covenant with God that says, I've already washed everything away. I've faced everything you can ever face. I've already wiped sins away. I've already, God has already gone before us. He didn't wipe them away and we're like, oh, but he forgot mine. No, it's already taken care of. That's when he says, my grace is sufficient for you, that it is more sufficient, but grace is not to keep sinning. Grace is to push us to do the right thing, that I have everything I need for life and godliness, and I can do the right thing because of my covenant with God, because that God's not leaving me, because he's not forsaking me, that that's the covenant that we have with God, that God's not leaving, God hasn't left, that God is still God in our life. I want to look at a couple more scriptures here. Um, Let's look at Galatians 6, 9 really quick, and I'm actually going to read it in the Amplified. Galatians 6, 9. 
All right, and in the Amplified, it says, Let us not grow weary or become discouraged in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap if we do not give in. I'm going to read that one more time. Let us not grow weary or become discouraged in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap if we do not give in. Sometimes it gets hard to do the right thing. Sometimes it gets hard to be like, God, I feel like I'm giving you everything I know to give you. I'm, I'm all in to what your promises say. I'm all in to what your words say, and I'm not seeing the answer. I'm not seeing what you said was coming. I'm sure Noah had to think that more than once to be like, okay, I thought the flood was coming like tomorrow. It's been 100 years. Maybe you're going to come this time. Maybe, and we can get there where we're like, I'm doing everything I know to do, and I'm not seeing God. I'm not seeing the promise. I'm not seeing the says, do not grow weary while doing good. Do not lose heart. Do not get discouraged. For in due time, if you do not give in, you're going to see the promise of God. See, God's word cannot return empty. God's word cannot return void. Not one promise in here cannot not be fulfilled because it's who God is. I want to look at uh, Matthew 7, 24. This just kind of backs up the story we just read. And then we're going to go to one more scripture and close. So Matthew 7, 24 is where we're headed next. All right, and it says, Therefore, whoever hears, it's an important word there, right? As we just learned. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Who hears these sayings and does these sayings. So who hears the word of God and who does the word of God that you are likened to a man who builds his house on the rock. And when you face those unexpected things, it's going to stand. But here's the thing. Hears and does these things. It's not building the house how you think it should stand. It's not building the house on what you think you need to stand in this world. It's not building the house on your opinion. It's not building your house on your past. It's not building your house on your strength. It is building according to the word of God. So when I take this word of God, I hear the word of God. I apply the word of God to my life. God is building something on the inside of me that I will need to get to the other side of what I'm going to face. And if we keep reading there, it says, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell. And it was a great fall because we heard and we did not do. Noah heard and Noah did and Noah got to the other side of the unexpected situation. But we can hear and not do and that can be a great fall. Why? Because we know all the right answers. We have put on this front. We know what God's word says, but we do not apply ourselves to what God's word says. And then we sink before we get to the other side of our unexpected moments. I want to read one more scripture to you. And these are just promises that are encouraging to me and promises I hope are encouraging to you, but promises that you apply yourself to the word of God. You apply yourself to what God is saying Look at the promises that are just available to you. 
It says, now it shall, uh, 28.1 is where we're going to start. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the earth. And all of these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of your God. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your ground and the increase of your herds and the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you in one way and flee before you in seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on your storehouses and to all which you set your hand. And he will bless, in, bless you in the land in which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you if you keep the commandments of the Lord, your God, and walk in his ways. Then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty in, of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your ground, in the land in which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasure. To give you rain in the land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today and are careful to observe them, so you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day to go to the right, to go to the left, or to have other gods and to serve them. And then if you go on to the next chapter, or the next several verses, it's basically all those things in opposite if you don't obey the voice of the Lord. Deuteronomy 28. And the blessings are 1 through 14. And the others are 15 through the end of that chapter. And so the importance of 1, you have the ability to claim those promises, but we got to apply ourselves to the process for those promises. Does that make sense? And so that's what I wanted to encourage everyone with today. I'm actually going to go to one more scripture. Sorry, I lied. But this has been my scripture for this year. It's been the scripture for our whole Bible study, and I just wanted to, to read it to you because sometimes we hear these messages and we're like, oh man, I feel like that I've probably messed up, and I feel like that I haven't been faithful to God, and I feel like I haven't been in a place where God would notice me separate from the world, and I want to be at that place, but I want to start at that place. And so what I would encourage you to do is if you go, man, I have been faithful to God, and I'm waiting to see those promises, then keep waiting. Don't grow weary. But then on the other side of it, if you are in a place where you're going, man, I really want to see the promises of God in my life, and I know a lot, but I apply a little, and I want to walk through the process, and I want to know the voice of God, and I want to do things according to his way and not my way. I want to be there, and I haven't been. Then here's the scripture, and this applies to everybody, but here's the scripture that's kind of been the, the scripture of the year for me and the, the scripture of our study back home, but Isaiah 43, 18. And it says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it. I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. A new thing. And here's the other thing. Those of you that say, man, I've been faithful and I'm walking through this process, but I haven't seen the fullness of God. The new thing can just be new vision. 
The new thing can be new perspective. The new thing can be, I got a fresh vision of where God's taken me and I'm not quitting. So that can be a new thing. A new thing can be, I'm going to get rid of the shame. I'm going to get rid of the guilt. I'm going to get rid of these things that are holding me back. And I'm going to look at myself and see myself as God sees me because I know I'm not made by mistake. I'm not here by accident. And God uses me for a purpose. God has a purpose for my life. And the things I'm facing right now are just a puzzle piece to the big picture. They're just a little piece to the story, and God's going to use those. And so what new thing? But don't, don't count out the impossible for your life. If you can, uh, I mean, there's so many quotes that, that go along with that, but I mean, one of my favorites, and I don't quote it exactly, but if, if your vision, if your goal, if that thing is possible for you to attain, it's not big enough. Because if we can do it on our own strength, we don't need God. And so to get to the place to go, I believe more for me, and where I want to close is that it's not just about you. That God made sure Noah's entire family was on the ark before the door closed. God made sure, he said, I made a covenant with you and your family. I made a covenant with you and your kids and your kids' wives that they can get on this boat because of your faithfulness. So you have no idea what your faithfulness will do for your family. And so I would encourage you that as we close today that you go, man, my faithfulness makes a difference. Because our unfaithfulness makes a difference in our family too. And everything in the Bible is generations to generations to generations. And we saw the effect that Noah's family had to have on his life for him to be faithful. And he was faithful until he died at 950 years old. And so when he's faithful for 950 years, there had to be something put into him beforehand, right? And so what kind of faithfulness do we have in our hearts that's going to extend from generation to generation to generation, not because we say it because more is caught than taught, because we actually live it out. Because we can tell our kids, you know, I'm sure Noah's family told him about the, I mean, Enoch is just a, I don't know who, maybe grandfather, great-grandfather, whatever. He's just not very far up from Noah. That's the kind of lineage that Noah had. But how cool to be able to pass on to your kids and go, we serve God and we know God's real because this is where we've personally seen him in our lives. Not because the Bible says so. We know the Bible says so. But when you can say, because I face this and this is where God came through, I know he's faithful because this is how he's been faithful to me. I know he's good because this is how he's been good to me. I know that he can turn anything around because this is what he turned around. When we can say that, that's a testimony. And it says we'll overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony that what God can do in our lives will change generations to generations to generations to generations. And then it'll change our lives too. But we have to be faithful to let him build what he needs to build on the inside of us to face what we need to face. Will you ladies stand with me and we're going to, we're going to pray to close. And I'll have you just bow your heads and close your eyes in honor of everybody around you. But the first question that I want to ask, um, just because I never want to miss an opportunity, that first and foremost, if you do not know that you know Jesus, that you would say, I've never given my life to Jesus. Or maybe you have given your life to Jesus, but maybe you've gotten away and you say, I want to recommit my life to Jesus because I haven't been walking where I should be walking. And so either one of those two categories, this is the most important decision that you will ever make because this is where covenant, covenant has already started for you, but this is where covenant starts with you. This is where you're able to say yes to Jesus. He says, I already said yes to you. 
And so if you have not made the decision to say, I want to ask Jesus into my heart. I want to give my life to him. Or the second part, I want to rededicate my life to him. I would ask if you would just lift your hand up with me and say, I want Jesus today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you guys. And you don't have to leave your hands up. You can put them down. You know the decision that you made in your heart. That is the most incredible decision that you will ever make in your life. The most incredible decision. What you're saying is, is Jesus, I'm, I have this, um, this little calf at home, and his mama wouldn't take him. And he's this little orphan calf, and I'm trying to bottle feed him, and he just doesn't want to take that bottle. And he, he wants his mom, right? He, he needs his mom. He needs the nourishment from his mom. And so what we're saying in this commitment is, is we're going, I, I've been apart from my father. I've been apart from, from God. I, I have not been in that relationship with God like I want to be. And I need that to survive. I need that. And so you're saying, I'm letting go of how I choose to live. I'm letting go of my past. I'm letting go where I've been. And I'm saying yes to Jesus. I'm saying yes to who you are. And I want to give everything to you. Not just part of me. I want to give all of you to you. That's what we're saying and so if everybody would just repeat after me, and we're going to pray this together. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for rising again so that I can live for you. I repent of any sin that's caused me to walk away from you. And from this day forward, I choose to live for you. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Ladies, that is huge. I think we should just clap for everybody that did give their life to Jesus today. That is, that is absolutely huge. Here's the thing. That's the biggest miracle you can ever see when someone gives their life to Jesus. Because eternity just changed. That's what we encountered. Eternity changed. And so I'm going to go ahead and just pray to close. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for every single lady that chose to give their life to you for today. And Father, I thank you for blessing on their life. I thank you for your love, your peace, Father God, your joy. I pray that it would overtake them for being obedient to your word today, for acting on your word today. I thank you that it would be so evident of who you are. Just your love, just wrap your arms around each and every one of them. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you have given us instruction. And Father, I pray from this day forward that we choose that we're going to serve you this day, that we choose that we're going to serve you tomorrow, and that we're going to walk exactly according to your instruction. We're not going to walk according to our own desires. And we love you and we praise you. And we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen.